Hi, I'm Ben Hadani. Welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast featuring creative guests sharing the nuances of their process. Just a quick reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts is the most helpful thing you can do for the podcast. Thank you for joining. This is another live edition of How Do You Do Podcast that we're calling How Do You Do Pod Live. We're doing this every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. And it's been really fun where we invite some former podcast guests and some new friends and talk about something that we all have in common. And tonight it is about podcast growth. So I am really excited to have this all-star panel tonight. I'll start from left to right. So we have Lauren Popish, who is founder of The Wave Podcasting, and she just came out with an amazing new editing service called Swell that she's going to tell us more about, too. So, hey, Lauren, give us a shout. Hi, folks. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Happy to have you. And then right next to Lauren, we have Scout Sobel, who's the founder of Scout's Agency, the co-host of OKSIS Podcast, and the host of Scout Podcast. Hey, Scout. Hi. Hello, hello. And we have Chanel Nami, a marketing specialist at Greatness Media, who you you might know from the School of Greatness podcast with Lewis Howes, which is a great podcast. If you're a Lakers fan, you got to check out the Kobe episode. That was a really cool one to listen to. Hey, Chanel. Hey. So happy to have you all. So I think what I'd love to start with is a question that came to my mind in, in my first days podcasting, which was, once I put out an episode, what are all the things I should be thinking about in terms of getting it to listeners and expanding my audience? Because I think so many people, we, we first think that the hard part is actually recording the podcast, like what equipment do I use? And then it becomes pretty clear that, oh, that's pretty straightforward. The harder part is actually, how do I find an audience and grow an audience? So I'd love to start with you, Lauren, and work our way towards Chanel to hear about what are some podcasting growth tips that, that you have found successful. So like, as soon as you put out an episode or a piece of content, what do you do next? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right that the, the real challenge comes not, not before recording, but afterwards. That's, that's the long haul. Podcasting is a long game. It's not like TikTok. The, the growth happens over, over many months and years. And the most popular podcasts out there, School of Greatness being one of them, you know, they have dozens, hundreds of episodes under their belt. So that's really the, the challenge is, is overcoming longevity. And podcasting, you have to be a special kind of devoted person to take up podcasting because there's this notorious discoverability problem, meaning that if you're going to go out and start a blog or start a social media account where you want to grow an audience, there are a lot of ways to grow that. You can buy ads, you can use SEO, there's all of these great techniques. Podcasting doesn't have that same those same tools. And so often in the industry, a lot of people talk about the discoverability problem of podcasting. It just means that if you want to grow your show, you have to be the one to go out and go tell people about it. So immediately after you know, releasing an episode, the first place you should put your podcast episode is on your website because you get to take advantage of not Apple Podcasts discoverability problem, but then you, you turn over your show to Google, which has great discoverability and search engine optimization is SEO is what you're targeting there with by putting your episode 
on your website. And then you're wanting to go out and go tell the world about it, not in a subtle way, not on social media necessarily, but go to new audiences, Facebook groups, go be a guest on other podcasts, places like that. Go find new places with your target listener to go promote your show. Scout, I want to get to you because this relates to a point what Lauren just said about how you have to go out to other platforms. That's something you just talked about in a recent episode of OKSIS, where podcasting is one of those unique mediums where you can't actually promote on the medium necessarily. You can do pod swaps like Lauren is talking about. A lot of it requires going to other mediums. Can you talk a little bit about how you've done that with OKSIS? Yeah, so one, I love Lauren's voice so much. I was just watching her videos on her Instagram. I could listen to Lauren just talk all day long. But I find it so fascinating, the podcast medium, because so many people jump into the content creation game, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and really the search engine and the visibility happens on the app that the content is is published on. And podcasting, it's just not the case. So when I when I talk to people who want to start podcasts, I always say, okay, well, there's the producing and the getting the content. And then uh, you have to go off app. So finding what really works for me, building a community off app really worked on in a secret Facebook group for OKSIS. We have a dedicated space for our sisters, like as we like to call them, to come and congregate. And in that sense, we allow a place for community building, et cetera, that all the other social media platforms have, but podcasting does not. So whether I believe every podcast should have an Instagram account that they're running dedicated to in-feed posts for the guests. And then something my sister and I always say that people don't often realize is that when you have a guest on, make it as easy as possible for them to repost. So what we do is we post an Instagram story and we tag them. And then right after we post that, we DM them with the specific link of the podcast episode so they can include it as a swipe up. That way they're not just reposting. There's a swipe up. There's that call to action that's really great to get their listeners and audience over to the podcast. That's something that we always preach is making it very, very easy for the guest to promote the episode because you don't want to lose out on that opportunity to capture that new audience because as Lauren was saying, you have to go out into all these other places. So if you have a guest, make it as easy as possible for them to repost the episode so that you can capture their new audience as well. Yeah, and like OKSIS, Lewis House has a interview-style podcast as well. Chanel, are you finding some of the same things? And I'm curious, are there any different strategies that you found helpful? Yeah, so um, that's actually a great idea, like DMing them the link, because what we do now is we'll email them all the assets that we want our guests to share, on their socials and then they end up not doing it. Um, so I love that idea of just making it super simple. But yeah, I mean, what I've been doing recently on the School of Greatness Instagram and Lewis's Instagram is creating content and graphics that our graphic designer is creating of stuff that people can learn about self-development and little carousels like five ways to feel better today or um, how to find your inner child or whatever, and um, having it be a carousel or, or a cute little graphic that you can learn from. And then typically it'll relate to one of our previous episodes. And then we'll be like on the last slide, it'll say, if you want to learn more about this, go ahead to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to listen to learn more about it. And then that's super fun because you get to learn on Instagram. It's a value added post. And then 
it's also redirecting back to the podcast. And of course, there's no links that you can put in the caption. So we always utilize link in bio. We did use Linktree. We're using Whovi now, which is a fun, more customizable version. Um, we're also testing out Later's uh, link in bio features, which if you're curious to know about that, let me know and I can explain how that works. Um, but yeah, so we're utilizing content, like cool content we can post on social and on blog, on YouTube. So yeah. What is Later's? That sounds really cool. I'm curious about that because I haven't heard about that. Yeah, so there's a lot of different third-party apps that you can schedule all of your social media content on, and I'm sure a lot of you already know what it is. There's Hootsuite, there's Sprout Social, there's Later, and I was going crazy trying to figure out one that I really like, and none of them I'm in love with because there's problems with all of them, but it's not their fault because the Instagram API, the Facebook API, the TikTok API, they all have different rules and stuff that they allow and don't allow so you can't post a reel directly through later you can't post an igtv directly through later nor can you do it on any of the other third-party apps but it does allow you to post regular posts and carousels and stories and all that so i'm very thankful for later and just for allowing me to organize all my stuff you know it's so important to be organized and to be able to batch all of your content in one and it just saves so much time. So, yeah. Um, can I just jump in real quick? Because I am yeah. so confused Chanel at who goes on the school of greatness with Lewis house and does not post to their social media. That is insane to me. <laughs> and it just, it just goes to show that guests on podcasts don't think about the impact that has not only on the, for the podcaster side, but on their own side. Right. I mean, Shay, if I'm on the School of Greatness, it's going everywhere for like three weeks straight. That's crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing. We have guests on that are like way cooler than us. I mean, we're we're so cool, but like we have like, you know, uh, Paris Hilton on really big people. So they're not always going to post us, but you got to do your best to like remind them and let them know. That honestly made me feel a little better about my silly little podcast that that I, I get really down on myself when guests don't repost. I think it does get better when you make more aesthetically pleasing graphics. Like when I look back at the graphics I started with that I was sending guests to please post, I just think, wow, I'm so glad I rebranded recently. But it's so interesting to hear that even at that level that can happen. And that's that seems to be a common challenge for podcasters. I'm curious. Have any of you ever looked at your growth and then reverse engineered your content and adjusted accordingly? So for example, like I noticed that I was looking at analytics for my podcast and I noticed, okay, I'm noticing that when I post episodes that are about 45 minutes or 50 minutes, that people tend to drop off around the 36 minute mark. And then I changed my approach based off that. And now I try to keep my podcast to within half an hour. I'm wondering if you have had a similar experience where as you're looking at growth metrics or just analytics in general, and then tailored, tailored your approach accordingly. Yeah, 100%. I was looking at our analytics not long ago. Well, now it's been about six months. And I noticed that people were really dropping off. Actually, um, OKSIS has a, a structure where my sister and I, Mads, do an intro together. And then 
we have an interview with the guest. But before we get into the interview with the guest, we do current fixations, which is where we talk about kind of a product TV show philosophy book that we're really into. And I was noticing that a lot of people were really dropping off after the current fixation standpoint. So we decided to dial back on interviews and do interviews twice a month and do more solo episodes because we were noticing that our solo episodes were actually garnering up more downloads as well as a longer retention rate throughout the episode. So that's a strategy that we implemented pretty immediately and since then have seen a very significant growth. So I think that sometimes podcasters don't realize the amount of information that these stats can give you and how you can really see trends as to when people are dropping off, what topics people like more. Do they like your solos more? Do they like your interviews more? Obviously, depending on the type of uh, podcast you have, but that's definitely something we saw and we made that shift really quickly and we definitely saw a return on that decision. Scout's example is perfect because it exemplifies the way you want to make podcast content, which is always with your listener or your audience in mind first. When you go beyond being a hobbyist podcaster and you start thinking about podcasting with an end goal in mind, whether that's that's financial goals, whether that's that's building a brand, building a company, extending your existing brand through your podcast. If you have any ambition for your podcast beyond, I guess, giving your mom something to listen to, then you have to realize that your podcast, it isn't for you. It's for your audience and the community that you're trying to build. So using analytics is ideal for planning content because it is such a great indicator of what your audience wants, maybe even more than they would be able to tell you if you asked them. If you went out and said, hey, what do you want to hear? And what's the best format? And how should we structure the show? They might even not realize their listening trends the way that analytics so clearly displays patterns and things like that. And, you know, the other thing about analytics, when when you're looking at performance, you stop comparing yourself to the numbers of, of other people. I love analytics for helping people focus on their own podcasts trajectory and their own growth. When you start seeing those increased numbers and it's not looking at things like I have 500 downloads versus 300 downloads, but when you start seeing things like I had a 20% growth increase or a 100% growth increase from last month, those numbers are meaningful and something to be proud of and will reduce some of that compare and despair cycle that it's easy to get into when you're a content creator and when you're early in the podcasting days. So I, I have a bunch of examples for my personal podcast as well. I think Scouts is is dead on. But if you're not using analytics to help you make your content, then you're not creating content for the person that matters, which is your audience and your listeners, as opposed to yourself. Yeah, I'm interested to hear Chanel in your work with Lewis Howes. I mean, he's very established, so I'm sure it would take very significant analytics to, to make any changes at this point. But have you have you experimented at all with with changes to the format based on anything you're seeing in the numbers? Yeah, so I'm less so on the podcast side of analytics, I'm, I, but I do see the YouTube analytics that we get in. So if you guys don't know, we film the podcast episodes, put them on YouTube, and then we have a whole other set of audience on there. 
But as far as the analytics there, for sure, like we have someone that's in charge of our YouTube channel and he does some crazy A-B testing with changing up the thumbnail picture and just changing the thumbnail picture will really change the clicks and the people that listen to it. But things that will make it, will uh, increase the chance of people listening is one, if we have a guest that's obviously more more well-known, then it's more likely to be listened to. And then number two is is when it's a it's a popular topic. And right now for us, popular topics have been mental health and relationships. So those two things people are really listening to on our channel. And then health and business, not as much. So kind of pay, yeah, so kind of paying attention to what types of content are getting the most views, how long it is versus how short it is, and then what the thumbnail looks like. Um, and then what the title is. So you got to kind of experiment with all of those. And if you are going to do tests and A-B tests and all of that, then make sure you're, you're controlling it so that you're, so you're only changing one thing at a time. So you really know what it is that made that difference. The point about the photo, the thumbnail photo is so powerful because just, I, I can just think from my own experience on YouTube, that makes all the difference for me. Even more so, I think, than the title is if I see something catchy visually that's obviously going to compel me i want to ask one more question before i turn it over to the audience there there are a couple things i've seen in the podcasting growth side that i i just i wonder if uh if it makes sense if it's a good use of time i think i know where lauren comes down on this but i'll ask anyway which is transcripts and newsletters how do you all use transcripts and newsletters for your podcasts if at all and to whom do you recommend that for? If there's a specific kind of podcast you think it's well-suited for, I'd love to know. We'll start with you, Lauren, because I, I think you're bullish on both transcripts and newsletters as a means of growth, but I'd love to hear you elaborate. Ben, you already know me so well. When it comes to both of those things, who's well-suited for transcripts and newsletters? Every single podcaster, point blank. When I was talking about discoverability, we're all trying to find new ways to get in front of people. Your first and foremost, your best tool is your website to start with. And what is Google and SEO love? They love words and keyword rich writing. Your transcript is such an easy way to get a bunch of words on your website with very little effort on your part, meaning you don't need to blog about it. Do we encourage you to write a long form blog post for every single one of your episodes? Yes, if you can, but a transcript is the best way to start with pretty little effort. There's a lot of tools around it and a lot of resources for how to get those transcripts. When it comes to your newsletter, the newsletter isn't necessarily about growing your audience to you know a new audience, but further engaging the audience you already have guess what? Not everybody listens to podcasts on their on their phone. Some folks, myself included, like to listen to audio and podcasts on their computer and are more likely to be prompted by your email out, your newsletter, to go listen to your episode. So it's increasing the listen rate of each individual episode and making sure that all of your subscribers are getting to listen and encouraged to listen on the platforms and on the devices that they like to listen to. So if you're not doing transcripts and newsletters, you're missing a major opportunity to find new people and engage the audience who is already committed to you and subscribed. 
I was going to say about the, the, the newsletter for Schurler, and I 100% agree. And it's so interesting with transcriptions, which I would could, you know, would love to have a, a further in-depth conversation about. So I use transcripts for only for my solo podcast, uh, Scout podcast. We don't use transcriptions for OKSIS. And the reason I use transcriptions for Scout podcast is because I use that podcast as what um, Jessica Zweig, the author of B, calls my pinnacle content. So I get my Scout podcast solo episodes transcribed, and then I repurpose that content for LinkedIn, for Instagram, for other newsletters, et cetera. And so sometimes as podcasters, we're producing content that is very performative, takes a lot of energy out, a lot of, this is going to sound stupid, but you know, thinking, articulating in a really, really powerful way. And so for me, transcriptions have been such a great way to capture the content that I say and then repurpose it throughout my other platforms to grow the the kind of bottom line of my personal brand within Scouts Agency. So yeah, transcriptions are such a powerful way to utilize in so many different areas. And I would love to hear, I know we're a little bit pressed on time, but just Lauren, if you believe every episode should be transcribed or just kind of pulling uh, some of your top episodes. The function of the transcript in my mind is the way you're using it is the right, is is great. And, and there is no shame in the game, as you were saying, to conserve energy. Content creation is exhausting. If you're a blogger, if you're a social media fiend, if you're out there making YouTube videos, you know how much effort it takes to make really good, high quality stuff. So anytime we can repurpose, that is, that's a beautiful thing. I find that it's hard to, unless you have really articulate guests or you yourself are asking really pointed, articulate questions, sometimes the transcripts can be hard to repurpose content from. Sometimes the words just don't come out in writing the way you want them to. The way I think of a, a transcript have it for every episode, but keep it in a, often what will happen is you'll put it at the very bottom of your post on your website. It'll be collapsed. Maybe it's on a separate link. It is more about those keywords, those, that text that Google loves, just adding text to your website, even if people don't read it, which is maybe counterintuitive to why you would produce that and, and create it. It just bolsters and adds authority, literal what Google calls authority to your website. But if you're even able to take it from there and repurpose the way Scout is, the way you are, it's, I mean, that's that's a win-win. But even if you're just taking the text to use as an SEO boost, that to me is, is worth the effort of producing it. And before we get to questions, Chanel, where, where do you come down on newsletters and transcripts? I'd love to know your process with that. Yeah, so we get every episode transcribed and we have show notes on every single episode. So the transcriptions go, so every single episode has a blog post on our website. Everything is there for the purposes of adding value so people can listen to it. And then secondly, for SEO reasons, as you said, Lauren, and then as you said, Scout, it also helps with repurposing everywhere else in your brand. So we take little parts of the transcriptions and make them into quotes and put them on social media. We, yeah, we'll have a, use it for different departments in our company to use it for whatever they need it for. So it's good to have. And then also we make social clips. So little podcast clips of each episode, we'll make two or three per episode and share them, you know, on Instagram and TikTok and all of that. And then those are always transcribed. And yeah, I mean, not everyone has their sound on. And also if you don't, if someone has an accent or they're talking too fast, it's always good to be able to read it. And then for newsletters, 
we definitely have a newsletter. It's important to definitely have one for one because you're adding value, you're you're creating community, your people are remembering your name, and then two, you use it to redirect back to your podcast. So yeah, as you said, Lauren, it's great to be able to re-engage with your audience. And oh, and then also newsletters are great because that's an owned audience, whereas social media, you don't own any of those contacts. So it's always good to build up your newsletter. So in our team, the three most important things that we direct people to is, of course, our podcast. Secondly, our newsletter. And third, our text community, because that's where you, so newsletter and text, you actually own the contacts. The text community that we use is called Community. I don't know if you guys are using it, but it's amazing. You literally get to text your audience directly. You can do it in a mass way or you can do it individually. Yeah, so that's it for me. Awesome. These are all super valuable tools. And I want to get to questions. I know we, I see we have one from Doreen. One more thing I'll add just on leveraging other social platforms. I've been experimenting with Twitter recently and I've, I've had some pretty good results when I create a, a kind of brief thread of insights from the podcast. So for example, if I talk to a really cool architect, you know, I might post after these are five cool things I learned from the conversation with architect Dan Brune and, and then just have that thread. And what's cool about that is it, it compels the guest to retweet it. So now you're being exposed to the guest audience and then people in that community get excited about it too and are more inclined to like it. So then it's our favorite it rather. And then it shows up on other people's Twitter feeds or retweet it, which is great too. So that's something I've been experimenting with too, is Twitter threads, just briefly recapping some key insights. And that's where a transcript might also come in handy is being able to quickly come through and pull some, pull some quotes in that regard. So I want to get to questions now. Doreen, nice to see you. And what's your question? Hi, Ben. Thank you um, to you and all of you for doing Clubhouse. So um, I have a question for Chanel. I'm just wondering, I honestly had so many questions, it was hard for me to decide, but, you know, in the sake, you know, just thinking of time, the question I'm asking you is, I'm curious, what are the mistakes that you see even people with experience in growing a podcast, like they tend to still make even if they've been doing it for like a year or two, some of like the higher level stuff? Um, so you mean like, in in their episodes? Um, just in terms, I mean, any aspect of growing a podcast that you see people tend to make a mistake with something, even if you're yeah. someone who has experience. Yeah, I think overselling turns people off. You know, you always want to give as much free content as you can and free knowledge as you can before you ask for anything. So I think it should be like a 80, 20, 70, 30 ratio of value, 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 and then you can sell something. So I think some people, yeah, will oversell things. And then you turn that person into being like, just ignoring your stuff, and then nothing really resonates anymore. But yeah, and then I think another thing is becoming too broad too soon. So unless you're really big, I think you should stay super niche, and only talk to one thing or one or two things that really relate and resonate with your brand. And that way you'll really hone in and create a really loyal base of listeners. Instead of just trying to please everyone, if you're trying to, to target everyone, you're going to target no one. So yeah, I think that's what, what I've seen. 
Thank you so much. I want to bring real quick. I also want to bring Lauren and Scout in on this question because you both work with young podcasters of, you know, people who are just starting out or maybe have been doing it for several months and feel like the growth is stagnating. Is there a common denominator you're seeing just to address Dorian's question also? Is there a common denominator among people who've been podcasting for let's say six months or a year and some, some, mis some common mistakes you're seeing them uh, faced with? I think what's, what's really coming to mind for me for, for podcasters that are more in the beginning of their journey, as you said, six months to a year is honestly, I think it's the mindset game. Like I think you're six months in, you're a year in, potentially you're not monetizing yet. And you have this conversation with yourself of, hey, I'm putting a lot of work into this and I'm not seeing a dollar ROI many times unless of course you launch a podcast with a built-in audience. And so for me, the most common thing that I think in, uh, prohibits their growth is that they're putting their energy towards monetizing the podcast versus understanding the other ROI that comes from a podcast, which is so beneficial, which includes building your network, which includes fine-tuning your brand voice, which includes building a community, et cetera. But I will say something a little bit more tangible, not on the mindset side, is that I see podcast hosts not engaging with their guests as a network past the interview. So I think what Mads and I have done so well at OKSIS is we have interviewed the most insane rad women in the game, but when we're done, it's not a goodbye. We're following them on Instagram. We're commenting on their posts every single day. When one of them has a baby, you better believe we're Insta-storing it, saying Mazel Tov, and then a swipe up to their episode. We email our guests from the past year, twice a year, every six months to check in and see how they're doing. And so, you know, building a podcast, there's the community side, but there's also a community that you're building with your guests that I think is so important. So that's something that I see podcast hosts not really taking advantage of or not really celebrating and solidifying is actually the network of guests. They, if Of course, it's an interview podcast, but not really honing and nourish, nourishing that community as well as your listenership. Such a good, I mean, the mindset aspect plays into both of those, right? That you're not, you're not getting into a growth mindset and that you're not thinking about the long-term value of these people that you're working so hard to get on your show. I, I totally agree with Scout. If I were to take it a step further, I would say from a from a mindset standpoint, I, I start to see a lot of podcasters starting to flame out or burn out. Um, the industry term is is pod fade, where you where you start to reduce the number of of active episodes that you're producing and eventually possibly stop altogether. And and I think that happens because folks podcasters aren't willing to grow and and step away from certain tasks in their in their show. I mentioned this before and I think everyone on this panel has has talked about the fact that so much of podcast growth happens from the promotion of the podcaster. However, what no one talked about but is so true is creating a podcast. The production of it is so incredibly time intensive to re record edit yourself, write the transcripts or produce them, write your show notes. It's a very production-centric 
medium. And so what I see happen to a lot of podcasters is they stay in this mindset of, I'm going to do it all. I'm going to keep creative control. I'm going to save a buck, right? As Scout said, you're probably not monetizing. It feels like a maybe like there's no financial return, so I'm, I'm not going to spend money. But what ends up happening is that you're not spending your, you prevent yourself from spending the time on the things that are actually going to take you to the next level. And if I can plug, you know, this is part of the the reason watching my community of podcasters that we've built, watching these women try and do it all. Those, the top charted podcasts do not have the hosts edit the episodes and host the episodes. The hosts are in charge of, are, are responsible for the promotion aspect. I'm sure Chanel can attest to the fact that, you know, Lewis isn't out there uh, editing his own podcast. He has a team of people to help them. You don't have to be School of Greatness to hire someone to help you edit and take some of those production tasks off your plate so that you can go out and and do the things that are going to lead to real growth, do the things that are going to lead to monetization. And for that reason, we we launched Swell this this week, which is a podcast editing service exclusively for women because we we suffer with all kinds of things uh, disproportionately, including sometimes imposter syndrome, sometimes uh, finances or m- cost of things like that can be more of a barrier for marginalized demographics like women. So this new podcast service uh, is meant to address that, but it really came from seeing the community suffer from trying to do it all. And at the end of the day, your time is better spent on the activities that are going to push you up till the next level and, and get you monetized and get you those, those high profile guests instead of being in the weeds on production. Amazing. Thank you. Doreen, did that answer your question? Yes, it definitely did. Thank you all for answering it. I appreciate it a lot. Of course. Awesome. Oh, we have we have uh, the other co-host of OK Sis podcast, Maddie Mayo, coming up to the stage. Hello, Maddie. She follows me wherever I go. <laughs> <laughs> we have just been on Clubhouse all day today. Um, OK, so my question Um, Thank you all for providing so much value. I think, um, you know, we, we get asked this question a lot on OKSIS. How do you grow? How do you grow? You know, how do I get in front of more people? And I've honestly, like, become even exhausted of, of this topic. Sorry, I hope this doesn't offend you, Ben. But just, you know, I think people are so obsessed with growth tactics and and strategies, which are obviously so important. But what I want to clarify for people who are looking to start a podcast is there's more to it than just growing, 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 right? And I think if we get so caught up in in those metrics and the numbers. And again, Scout mentioned the ROI of monetization and just like making sure you're, you're growing exponentially. Um, you lose sight of the why and why you started a podcast in the, you know, to start with and you know, what the magic is. So I would love to hear more just like burnout tips and just kind of, you know, if you're plugging along and you're, you're, you have a podcast and it's going well, and you, you know, you're doing all the things and you're working hard, like how, how, what tips do you guys have for uh, making sure that you don't reach burnout, but you're still, you know, being consistent, you're still doing the things every day um, to make your podcast the greatest podcast it can 
be and get in front of the right audience. But what are some tips for kind of just, you know, t stepping back when is needed or understanding that um, you don't need to grind at it 24 seven? Before I turn it over to the panel, I'm just going to jump in with something I stole from Lauren that also is like the number one answer, it seems like to this question, which is batching content. So, mm -hmm. so something that I was doing was, and I think you kind of have to in the beginning is for an interview style podcast, I was just scheduling whenever I could get guests. And then it got to a point where it was getting really exhausting to prep, to sit down and talk with them and then to have to edit and just do rinse, repeat, basically. What was a lot easier for my workflow was scheduling a bunch of interviews to the extent I could over the course of a really short time period. So like instead of having four interviews throughout Monday through Friday, maybe try to condense that to Thursday to Friday. And I know like those are my interview days and I know Wednesday is my prep day. And I know, you know, Monday, Tuesday, the next week will be, or the weekend will be my editing days. Um, and it just gave me a, a really clear sense of purpose to my work and didn't, I didn't feel scrambled. Like I was rushing from the interview to editing. It just gave me a lot more control and clarity over my process. So that's something that's helped me batching content and I'll turn it over to the panel. If anybody has strategies for avoiding burnout or Chanel, if you, how you support Lewis and not getting burned out. How, if anybody wants to jump in, go for it. Yeah, I can, I can jump in. Um, even though I run the podcast with Mads, but I can speak from, from personal, personal experience is that Mads and I got super burned out on OKSIS earlier this year. Uh, we are co-hosts and we're sisters and we've been doing this for two and a half years. And I think what led to that burnout was this intense pressure to monetize the podcast super significantly. And I think that we were looking outside of the podcast to build this 360 brand with all of these branches. And in this attempt to blow OKSIS up so big and to monetize super, super successfully and to have events and merch and like all of these things we we lost sight of the podcast. And so, you know, Mad said earlier, and I know it sounds really cheesy, but you have to come back to your why and you have to reframe what the ROI of the podcast is for you. And so with that, I was able to take a step back and really think about what OKSIS brings me. And in taking a step back and not trying to so obsessively control the growth and not only the podcast downloads, but just the brand itself. Really incredible opportunities are happening. We're signing to a network right now. And so doing all of those things, the speed came when I stopped trying to control so intensely and when I stopped trying to put so much pressure on the podcast. And there's also the conversation of, which I've started to have with Mads, of Zoom interviews just don't super fill me up that much anymore. And so Mads and I are going to make a very concentrated effort to be together for as most for as many podcasts as possible. You know, obviously the guests will be separate because of the pandemic, but as sisters we can be together and and so I think it's finding ways of, you know, how do you creatively work? Ben creatively works Thursday and Friday batching. I creatively work when I'm in person with my sister. And so figuring out what feels best for you and doing more of that so that your energy is up and not being drained throughout kind of your weekly schedule of the podcast is really important. And Lauren, I'm, I'm the podcaster who still edits her fucking podcast and it's weighing on me. And so 
that's I got to take my own advice and you swell essentially. So yeah, I got I got a little something for you. I got a little something <laughs> for you. Yeah, I, which I I mean I can't believe what you all have done, what you've built by doing it yourself. But I think you hit on such a a great thing, which is there's parts of this podcasting process. There's a reason why you started. There's an aspect of it that you love, why you chose this as your content style to build your company or your brand, as opposed you both Scout and Maddie and you general. Uh, if you're a podcaster, there's a reason you chose to do this instead of blogging, right? There's something in it that is more satisfying than another medium. Return to that why of what you came here for. And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give a piece of advice for a really quick way to get back to that. Go talk to your listeners. Go out. And it's so easy as a podcaster to get behind the mic. Your listeners get access to you in a delayed fashion, right? They listen to you. It's not live necessarily, unless you're doing something creative like this. They listen to you after the fact. Sometimes it's easy to lose track with the people who feel so incredibly connected to you and who you are doing something for them. You're educating them. You're inspiring them. You're making them laugh. If you haven't built a mechanism, a platform for your audience to go interact with you the way that Scout and Maddie have a secret Facebook group. I love that it's even called secret and not even private, right? Because it feels special to the people who know about it. If you don't have a place where your listeners can come speak to you one-on-one -on -one and where you can become fulfilled and reminded who you're doing it for, what benefit you're driving for them, it is so easy to get bogged down in the production of it all. There are a lot of efficiency tools and techniques, swell included, batching included. But at the end of the day, I, I agree that burnout starts in the mind. Go talk to the people and remember who you're serving and why you're serving them. And then, you know, turn back to the things that matter. Those metrics, those empty monetization download numbers, they're not going to keep you warm at night because there, there's no way to achieve Success in, in that fashion is very unachievable and always moving to be able to inspire someone, make them laugh. <laughs> you know, I'm making myself laugh just thinking about it. What What's wrong with me? You know, just thinking about those connections you can form with the people, that's the stuff that is actually means something and that you can actually achieve. Go, go let your audience remind you why you're doing this thing. Maddie, did you feel like that answered your question? Oh, yeah. You ladies are the <laughs> best. Thank you. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for the question, Maddie. It's nice to have both OK Sis hosts on the stage tonight. That's awesome. Thank you. Before we wind down with where people can follow our panelists on social media, I'd love to ask you all on the panel, is there any, because we're low on time, is there any one strategy or one one tip that, that we didn't get to that you'd love to share with podcasters about growth? Yeah, be a guest on other podcasts do podcast swaps. Uh, that's been one of the most efficient ways for OKSIS to grow. And for lay in layman's terms, a podcast swap is when you go on someone else's podcast and they come on yours. Great, great tip. Uh, Lauren, did you have any any tips that we didn't get to? But we'll stick well, to one. Scout, I know you have plenty. <laughs> Scout, Scout stole mine. So, so I'm just going to double down on that go be you know how to podcast go be a podcast guest on someone else's show uh swap or don't swap those those are the audience members that you want they already listen to podcasts why not bring them over to yours 
Amazing. And real quick, before we get to Chanel's tip, are you, how are you finding the, the right podcast to approach about swapping? For example, like I'm on Red Circle as my hosting platform and Red Circle actually does a really good job of showing you comparable podcasts. But for folks who might not be on Red Circle or just looking for other ways, what's a good way of identifying good podcasts to approach about a swap or pitching yourself as a guest? Similar target audiences. If you're a podcast about wellness, you want other people, you want to go to other wellness podcasts. The great thing that it's that helps to remind other podcasters is podcasting isn't competitive. Most listeners listen to an average of seven different podcasts per week, which means you're not competing, you're collaborating. And when you come and add more value to someone else's show, uh, to their listeners on topics they care about, man, what a favor you're doing doing them. So go look for people with your target audience. Uh, a Google search will get you there. An Apple podcast search will also get you there. Looking at similar podcasts, and, or you can search by category, you can search by the ones that Apple recommends and anywhere where there's overlap in audience, you're looking for target listeners when it comes to growth. I'm going to throw out one more nifty tool in this regard that I also learned about finding comparable podcasts, which is this website called Spark Toro. I learned about it from Eric from Lemon Pie FM, which is a company that works with brands who are looking to get into podcasting. And Spark Toro is a website where you can, for example, put, you know, travel and see who the top influencers influencers are in that space. What what are the top uh, you know, websites or, or or accounts in whatever subject you're looking into and go from there. And just even if you're not approaching them specifically to pitch yourself to be on their podcast, at least you can learn a little bit about the community and the audience you're trying to reach that way. So that was a cool one I learned recently called Spark Toro. Chanel, is there any strategy or tip that we didn't get to tonight that you'd love to leave our listeners with? Yeah, just to add on what you were just saying, you can also Google your podcast name and see what else comes up. Um, and then you can also fall, like go on a different Instagram, follow yourself on Instagram and see who pops up as recommended. So those will be like-minded accounts. Um, but as far as a tip, I would say always be learning and growing because the more you know and the more knowledge you have, the more you can teach others and the more value you're going to give on your podcast. Even if it's not an educational podcast like the School of Greatness, even if it's comedy or entertainment or gossip or whatever, always be expanding and and you know optimizing your content and the things that you know because you never want your content to be stale. You never want your audience to be able to guess what you're going to say because that's going to make them subconsciously not want to listen anymore because they kind of already know, you know, what's going on in there. So it's always good to be learning. Uh, Lewis is, you know, really established life coach, but he's always learning. He's always still a student. So that would be my tip. That's good life advice, not just podcasting advice. Always be learning. There's that famous quote, <laughs> ABC, always be closing. I like ABL, always be learning. Yes. Amazing. Okay, great. Well, this was super informative and I want to make sure that our listeners know where to keep up with you all. So starting from Lauren and then working our way to Scout and Chanel, can you let our listeners know where they can find you and keep up with your work? Absolutely. The best place to get to me and and all of the resources we, we offer as a podcast educational tool and now an editing service specifically for women, but really for everyone, is at The Wave Podcasting on Instagram and 
I like to do this little thing now where I just drop a little something special into my clubhouse profile for like a very short amount of time. I've got a quick little guide for uh, growth tips for podcasting and a special discount for just the listeners of this show, just folks in the room. It'll expire on Friday. Go uh, go grab a little extra value on, on my Clubhouse profile. Lauren, you always come up so clutch with the freebies. You're always so well-prepared. This is awesome. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. You got it. You got it. Scout, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. And specifically related to this conversation, my agency, Scout's Agency, is actually launching a course on how to get yourself on a as a guest on a podcast so if that kind of area of this conversation piqued your interest you can just go to instagram scouts agency and sign up for our newsletter that's where we're going to be announcing it and it's essentially a very very in-depth look at how our agency gets high profile guests on podcasts and vice versa but uh come hang with me on instagram come dm me i'm always down for some podcast conversation and thank you ben for having me of course, honored to have you. And last but not least, Chanel, where can people follow you and keep up with your work? Yeah, uh, you can follow me, Chanel Nami, on Instagram. But you're going to see a lot of salsa stuff, not a lot of podcasting stuff. But if you want to follow the School of Greatness, it's at greatness. So just the word greatness. And then if you want to follow Lewis Howes, it's at Lewis Howes. We have a third Instagram account called Success. So follow that too and listen to our podcast subscribe all the good stuff <laughs> chanel was being modest when she said you'll see a lot of salsa stuff she is a very talented salsa dancer and teacher <laughs> here in la so definitely something i'm looking forward to in the post-covid world is uh is checking out one of your salsa classes yeah um, I'm, I'm gonna go with you bang because i was looking at your instagram chanel and I was made fun of for doing salsa dances only on TikTok because I think that's where I personally thrive. So I am going to be sincerely consuming your salsa dancing content. Yay, join me. Thanks, Ben. Amazing. And lastly, if you want to keep up with how do you do podcasts, first, I'd encourage you to follow me on Clubhouse so you can get notified whenever we do these conversations. We're doing them every Tuesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific. It's been awesome to have former podcast guests like Scout and new friends like Lauren and Chanel come on How Do You Do Pod Live, where we have these fun panel discussions and then have a Q&A with listeners. So follow me on Clubhouse or across the board at Ben Hanani and subscribe to the podcast, How Do You Do Podcast, wherever you get podcasts. We have really fun weekly conversations with creatives about how they do what they do. It's a fun time. So if you ever were curious about how an architect designs a house or how a stand-up comedian does a set on Jimmy Kimmel Live, for example. These are the kinds of conversations we have on How Do You Do Pod Live. Thank you all so much, you podcasting all-stars. I am so humbled to have shared the stage with you. Thank you. I hope you found value in today's conversation. If you still haven't left your review for How Do You Do Podcast, I'm going to walk you through the process right now, and it only takes 10 seconds. First, look at your phone screen and click where it says, How Do You Do Podcast, which is in purple. And if you're not seeing this, then you're probably listening to this on a different app. So I want you to click on where it says, listen on Apple Podcasts, and then you'll see the purple link. Click that. Then you'll just scroll past all the previous episodes to where it says ratings and reviews. And all you need to do is tap the star on the far right, and you've left a five-star rating. I thank you in advance for taking the 10 seconds to do that. And I really, truly appreciate you listening to this episode. 
Thanks for sharing it with your friends and followers. And I'll see you back here next week.